You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek podcast. This episode presented by Senior Minister Tim Johnson. Hi, my name's Kaz and this is Justin. And today we're reading uh, today's passage from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 15, verses 10 through to 21. We will be taking the parts. Justin will be reading Jeremiah's parts of the passage and I will be reading God's responses. And we are uh, reading from the New International Reader's Version today. My mother, I wish I had never been born. The whole land opposes me. They fight against me. I haven't made loans to anyone and I haven't borrowed anything, but everyone curses me anyway. Jeremiah, I will keep you safe for a good purpose. I will make your enemies ask you to pray for them. They will make their appeal to you when they are in great trouble. People of Judah, the armies of Babylon will come from the north. They are as strong as iron and bronze. Can anyone break their power? I will give away your wealth and your treasures. Your enemies will carry off everything and they will not pay anything for it. That will happen because you have sinned so much. You have done it throughout your country. I will make you slaves to your enemies. You will serve them in a land you have not known about before. My anger will start a fire that will burn you up. Lord, you understand how much I am suffering. Show concern for me. Take care of me. Pay back those who are trying to harm me. You are patient. Don't take my life away from me. Think about how much shame I suffer because of you. When I received your words, I ate them. They filled me with joy. My heart took delight in them. Lord God, who rules over all, I belong to you. I never sat around with those who go to wild parties. I never had a good time with them. I sat alone because you had put your powerful hand on me. Your anger anger against sin was burning inside me. Why does my pain never end? Why is my wound so deep? Why can't I ever get well? To me, you are like a stream that runs dry. You are like a spring that doesn't have any water. Jeremiah, if you turn away from your sins, I will heal you. Then you will be able to serve me. Speak words that are worthy, not worthless. Then you will be speaking for me. Let these people turn to you, but you must not turn to them. I will make you like a wall to them. I will make you like a strong bronze wall. The people will fight against you, but they will not overcome you. I am with you. I will save you. I will save you from the hands of evil people. I will set you free from those who treat you badly. Do you ever feel like God has let you down? Maybe you prayed for healing for yourself or for someone you love and you prayed fervently, you believed that God would heal them but he didn't, and you feel like God has let you down. Maybe you trusted God with your relationships. You made a definite decision that you would wait for the right person to come along, a person who loved Jesus before you committed to a relationship or marriage, and you prayed and you believed that God would send them along, but he hasn't, and you feel like God has let you down. Maybe you felt like God was leading you into a particular course of study or job 
and you prayed about it. You thought it'd be a great place to serve God. And yet the offer didn't come and all the doors seemed to close and you feel like God has let you down. Maybe you feel like God has let you down in terms of your kids and their faith. You faithfully taught them the Bible, you prayed with them and you prayed for them, and yet they've abandoned the faith and you feel like God has let you down. Now, perhaps you wouldn't say it quite like that. You wouldn't express it as clearly as that, but there's this lingering sense in your heart that God has somehow let you down and you feel disappointed in him. I mean, what's the point of sacrificing things for God? What's the point of following him wholeheartedly if he's not going to follow through and you're going to have these sorts of disappointments in your life? Now, maybe you've never felt like this. Uh, Maybe you're someone who is a follower of Jesus and you've never felt like God has disappointed you. He's always followed through for you. Well, that's great. Um, That's an excellent thing. Uh, But please don't switch off and think that this talk won't be relevant to you because none of us knows what's around the corner. We don't know when challenges and disappointments will come and we need to be prepared for them. How will you deal with disappointment and that feeling that God has let you down if it does come along? Or maybe you're someone who's not yet a follower of Jesus And frankly, all of this talk about God letting people down is making you a little bit nervous because one of your questions is, can I trust God with my life? Is Jesus someone that I should follow? Let's just be clear here. Uh, We do believe that God is utterly faithful and trustworthy, that the life following Jesus is a full and abundant life. It's the best life that there is. But God never promises that following Jesus will be an easy life, that it will somehow be immune from challenges and difficulties that might come our way. Uh, Life is full of difficulties and we need to know how to deal with that when we do feel like God has let us down and we feel disappointed. It's better to be honest with God. It's better to be upfront about the way that life is rather than try and fake it and hide these things away. Well, for the prophet Jeremiah, he feels like God has let him down. He feels very disappointed with God. And in this chapter, he expresses it in a no holds barred sort of way. This passage is a dialogue between Jeremiah and God. Uh, Thanks so much. Uh, to our Bible readers for demonstrating that in terms of the way that it was read, that it's a conversation between Jeremiah and God. And in this, Jeremiah brings his complaint, what's called in the Bible, a lament towards God. There's a number of these in the book of Jeremiah. This is just one example of it. And it's raw and it's honest. It's about Jeremiah sort of shouting at God and telling God exactly how he's feeling in the midst of his disappointment and in the midst of his challenges. This is Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, raging at God, crying at God and shaking his fist as well. So what's going on for Jeremiah? Why is he feeling so miserable? Right? There's no doubt that he is miserable. Have a look at verse 10. Alas, my mother, that you gave me birth. 
a man with whom the whole land strives and contends. I wish I'd never been born, he says. Uh, There's echoes here of another Old Testament character, Job, who after he loses his wife and all of his children, curses the day that he was born. Everyone hates me, Jeremiah says. The whole land is fighting against me. Everyone is cursing me. Now, sometimes when we're in a low time in our lives, uh, we can feel like everyone is against us. We can feel like we've got no friends and we're all alone, when in fact that's not the case. There are actually people around us wanting to help us, trying to help us, but in our depression and lowness, we can't actually see that. But in Jeremiah's case, it actually is the case that people are cursing him and against him. He's receiving violent threats. He's got people who hate the words that he's speaking. And there is genuine opposition in the situation that he's facing. He's speaking this message from God and people don't want to hear it. He's been told by God to go to the people of his nation, the nation of Judah, and to challenge their behaviour, to tell them that the way that they're living, the way that they're ignoring God and mistreating each other is not acceptable, that God won't put up with it any longer. Uh, Julie spoke about this last week, and if you missed that talk, jump on our YouTube channel and listen to that talk. What happened there was that Jeremiah challenged the people of Judah about their unjust and violent ways. And the fact that they were trying to pass it off as we're religious people, we go to temple, when in fact their behaviour wasn't matching their words. And they'd been warned again and again, and yet they refused to change. You get a bit of a flavour for the message uh, here in this passage as well, in God's first response to Jeremiah in verses 11 to 14. God reiterates that the judgment will come, that enemies in the form of the nation of Babylon uh, will attack, that they will defeat the nation of Judah, they will plunder all of their wealth, they will enslave the people and take them off into exile into that nation of Babylon. Now, it's not an easy message to bring to say that to your own country people. And it's not surprising that people reacted negatively to it. They told Jeremiah to stop speaking these terrible words. They threatened him, if you don't shut up, we'll get you. And so he felt alone and he felt isolated. Right? They are attacking the messenger because they don't like the message that he's been told by God to bring. But that doesn't mean the person who's the messenger is happy about it. Frankly, he feels like this is a crappy job to have that he has to pass on these words from God. And he's pretty angry at God for putting him in this position and making him say these things to his people. He feels like God has let him down. So how's God let him down? We get to go a little bit deeper in verses 15 to 18. Verse 15 starts with these words, Lord, you understand. Right? God knows everything. So God knows what Jeremiah is going through. God, you know that I'm suffering. You know that people don't like me. You know that my life is pretty miserable at the moment. Now, that's the starting point for lament. And it's why lament, shouting out to God, is actually 
a response of faith. Because it's a turning to God, it's a shouting and raging at God because it recognises that God knows what we're going through and that God has the power to do something about it. So Jeremiah knows this, God, you understand, you know what I'm going through, and so I want you to do something, I want you to act. And he demands four things from God in the rest of verse 15. He says, remember me. Now, it's not like, you know, God's forgotten. Who's Jeremiah? I forgot about him. No, no. If you say, remember me, it is about acting on the fact that you know that I'm here. I want you to do something, God, about my situation. Care for me, he says. God, I want a bit of sympathy. I want a bit of love. I want you to step in and look after me. Avenge me, right? These people are treating me badly and I want you to sort of step in, God, and and smack them around. I want you to act to defend me when I'm under attack. Do not take me away which means don't let me die. He's worried about his own safety in this situation and he wants God to protect him. Now, what makes it worse for him in terms of feeling like God has let him down is that he had a really positive and enthusiastic start in his relationship with God and in the task that he was called to do by God. Have a look at verse 16. When your words came, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight, for I bear your name, Lord God Almighty. Uh, I don't know if you know the uh, kids' Christian singer Colin Buchanan. Uh, He's got a a great little upbeat song based on that verse. Um, And it is, like it's an upbeat sort of verse, you know, God's word came and I loved it, it tasted so good, I was overjoyed by it. And that was Jeremiah's initial experience. But in the context here, he's saying, that's how I felt and it was really great with you, God, and now it's all gone downhill and I've just been disappointed by you. I'm a few years into the job and the shine's worn off, God, and I'm not sure that I want to do this anymore. He goes on to speak about you know, what it's cost him to follow God, that while other people have been out partying and celebrating and having a good time, He's refused to join in with them because he's recognised that a lot of the time they're living out of step with what God wants him to do. And so he feels alone and isolated, right? He's been unfriended on Facebook. No one's following him on Twitter. They want nothing to do with him. And the pain is so tangible that he describes it in physical terms, right? This emotional pain, as we know, emotional pain can be so bad that it feels like an open wound, and that's how he describes it here. It can't be cured. And so he finishes with an accusation towards God. You are to me like a deceptive brook, like a spring that fails. Now, back in Jeremiah chapter 2, God's been described as a spring of living water. And Jesus himself says that God offers living water that wells up in us to life eternal. You know, that God is the one who satisfies our desires, who quenches our spiritual thirst, who provides a sense of meaning and purpose to life. But Jeremiah says, nut. 
God, you're like a, a creek that has no water in it. You're like a dusty creek bed. You've failed me. You've deceived me. This is not what I signed up for. Now, have you ever felt like that? Maybe that's how you're feeling right at the moment. When you made a decision to follow Jesus, you thought it would look a certain way and it hasn't panned out like that. You started with a great burst of joy and enthusiasm, but that's faded away. And, and now it feels like being a Christian just, just feels like being out of step with the people around you, um, that people just have a go at you for following God and for the way that you try and live. They're happily doing their own thing and you feel isolated, you feel alone, and that you feel like God has deceived you somehow about what following him would look like. Uh, maybe when you made a decision to be a youth leader or a life group leader um, or a full-time minister, you thought it would look a certain way and it's turned out to be much more challenging and much more difficult than you ever thought it would be. You feel like people don't appreciate what you do, that you don't get the support that you need, that people are constantly complaining and criticising rather than encouraging you and supporting you as you try to serve God. This is not what I signed up for, God. Frankly, I feel like it's been false advertising on your part, right? The Christian life, Christian ministry has been a challenging slog rather than a, a joy-filled frolic and I'm over it. Now, if you're thinking those things, I want to encourage you to say them out loud and to say them to God and to have the sort of robust conversation with God that Jeremiah is here. That is the best way to respond to those feelings in the first instance. If you feel that way, let God know that you feel that way because God knows anyway and he would rather you be honest and talk it out with him. You're not going to be surprising God. You're not going to be shocking God by saying these things and articulating them in words. This sort of cry of the heart, this complaint, this lament, again, is a faith-filled response towards God because it takes the disappointments that we feel and it directs them back to God. It's, it is a turning to him, even in complaint, rather than a turning away from him in rejection. It's like a, a child screaming at her father, beating her little fists on his chest, right? God's able to cope with that level of emotion. God can cope with our anger and our disappointments and our griefs. Now, Jeremiah's complaint here against God, it's not unique in the Bible, far from it. Uh, the book of Psalms is filled with this sort of cry to God. At the start of last year, we did a whole series on difficult emotions, dealing with difficult emotions called In the Valley, um, looking at a number of these types of psalms. And you can check out those talks again on our YouTube channel. And if you're still in any doubt about the acceptability of talking to God in this sort of way, well, you look no further than to Jesus himself, who as he was hanging on the cross, 
used the words of Psalm 22, a lament psalm, as he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Even the Son of God felt abandoned by his heavenly Father and cried out in desperation and complaint to God. What more permission do you need? Now, you might like to use Jeremiah's words in this chapter to frame your own complaint towards God. Maybe what he's saying here echoes what you're feeling in your own heart. Or you might pick uh, a psalm of lament, find one which sort of captures the way that you're feeling and, and say that to God. Or even better, just speak from your own heart to God how you're feeling, where your disappointment lies, and let him know. You don't need to fake it with God. He understands. You don't need to hold back from God. He can take it. Turn to him whatever the emotions are that you're feeling and tell him about it, knowing that he's ready to hear. Now again, maybe this sort of disappointment hasn't been your experience. Well, that's okay. My advice to you is start small. Make sure that when you do talk to God, when you come to God in prayer, that you're not creating a prayer life which is kind of a bit fake and which just focuses on all the good things that are happening. It's, it's good to thank God for the good things that are happening in our life, but make it a pattern in your prayer life to also talk to God about the difficulties. Even if there are only small disappointments, start to build that in to your relationship with God and the way that you pray. So that if down the track, big disappointments or major hurdles come along in your life, you've developed this pattern where you tell God about it, you complain to God about it, you express your feelings to God, whatever's going off on in a real and honest way. Prayer is always at its best when it's honest. Lastly, let's have a look at God's response to Jeremiah. What has he got to say back to Jeremiah? You see it in verses 19 to 21. And you might be wondering, having listened to the Bible reading, well, Tim, doesn't what God say to Jeremiah just undermine everything that you've just been saying? I mean, God doesn't sound particularly happy with Jeremiah. Doesn't he tell him to repent in verse 19? Doesn't that mean that this sort of anger, this sort of disappointment towards God is, is right out of order? Maybe we should hold back from God in this way. Now, I agree that, that God is pushing back on Jeremiah. There's no doubt about that. He's challenging him. But let's unpack it a bit and see exactly what he's saying to Jeremiah here. Uh, the key in verse 19 is uh, the Hebrew word shuv, which means Turn. It, it occurs four times in different ways in this verse. Let me read it and, and point them out. If you turn, if you repent, I will turn you back. I will restore you that you may serve me. If you utter worthy, not worthless words, you will be my spokesman. Let this people turn to you, but you must not turn to them. I find the physicality of this language very helpful. Right here we've got Jeremiah. He's at the point of, of giving up. 
right? God, here's my resignation. I'm walking away. I don't want to serve you anymore. I'm turning my back and I'm off. And God says, Jeremiah, if you turn back, I will turn you. I will restore you. But whatever you do, as you keep on sharing this message, the people of Judah need to turn towards you. Don't you give up and join their bad behaviour and turn to them. God wants Jeremiah to keep doing the job. He's not to quit. He's not to give up. He's to continue as God's spokesman, God's prophet here. And so the primary focus of God wanting him to turn, to repent, relates to the task that Jeremiah has specifically been called to. It's okay to feel disappointed, disillusioned, despairing, and he's done right to express that to God. But God's saying, don't walk away. Don't turn your back. Don't give up. Lament has its rightful place. It's critically important. But there also comes a point where we need that challenge to say, turn back to God and keep following him. Recommit. Let's recommit to the ongoing task of loving God, loving people around us in his name and serving him in ministry. Jeremiah essentially here is being recommissioned for his job as prophet. The promises that we read in this passage in verses 20 and 21 uh, are echoes of what we heard back in chapter 1 when Jeremiah was first called as a prophet of God. God says, I'll make you strong. I'll, I'll make you like a bronze wall so that you can stand firm. People will fight against you, but they won't win. I am with you. I will rescue you. I will save you. Turning back to God, making that recommitment to serve God, even though it's tough, won't be easy. But God assures us that he is with us, that he will provide for us, that he will strengthen and help us. And as it was with Jeremiah, so it is with us. The challenge and the promise are the same for us. The challenge for us is, whatever the circumstances that are happening in our lives, will you turn back to God? You can turn to God and shout your complaints to him. Maybe you need to do that. Maybe you have been doing that. But we also need to make a decision to turn back to God and, and recommit ourselves to him, to be known as his follower, to turn back and walk in his ways, to follow the way of life that he's called us to, to turn back and continue to serve him, volunteering, ministering, doing what he's called us to do as followers of Jesus. Now, you might like to do that physically. It might be helpful for you to sort of make a physical stance of deciding to turn back to God and recommit yourself to that task of being a follower of Jesus. Uh, you might like to restate or reaffirm the promises that you made at your baptism or at your confirmation. The promises like this, they're here on the screen. Do you turn to Christ? I turn to Christ. 
Do you repent of your sins? I repent of my sins. Do you reject selfish living and all that is false and unjust? I reject them all. Do you renounce Satan and all evil? I renounce all that is evil. Do you notice the language there in those baptism vows of turning, turning to Jesus, turning away from the sorts of behaviours which are out of step with him? And lastly, you may need to turn to God and take hold again of the promises that he has given you to strengthen you for what you're facing, to be present with you in the midst of it, to save you and to sustain you so that you can continue as his follower to the end of your life. As we close today, let me pray. And again, I'm going to pray a prayer that comes from the baptism service as a way of recommitting ourselves in our following of God. Let's pray. Lord, defend us, your servants, with your heavenly grace that we may continue yours forever and daily increase in your Holy Spirit more and more until we come to your everlasting kingdom. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek.